This episode is brought to you by FireLapse and FireLapse.com. Too often, drivers fail to extract the full performance potential out of their vehicle at the track because analyzing motorsports data takes time and can be difficult to understand. FireLapse is a fresh and intuitive tool to simplify motorsports data review to allow you to focus on reducing your personal best lap time. This year, SlipAngle and FireLapse have partnered together to help our audience go faster. Annual subscription signups using promo code SLIPANGLE or SLIPANGEL We'll get 15 months for the price of 12 and a free slip angle or track tune t-shirt. Head over to firelaps.com and start letting your data be your coach. Are you a true motorsports enthusiast seeking premium safety equipment? Do you need expert advice to make the right choice? Look no further. Go to ogracing.com. The ultimate destination for high quality motorsports gear. OG stocks. It's not OG. OG stocks products from the largest manufacturers, including Sparco, OMP, Alpine Stars, and much more. OG Racing is offering. It's OG is offering an exclusive fifteen percent to our listeners. Use code SLIPANGLE15 at ogracing.com during checkout. It's OG Emma. You'll get free standard shipping on orders over hundred dollars. Don't miss out. Visit ogracing.com and use slip angle fifteen at checkout. That's OG Racing and OG Racing.com and slip angle fifteen at checkout. And we went to racetrack. Did a site visit in the middle of a freaking tornado. At Hedge Hollow. Cool place. Real cool place. Where is it? South of Kansas City, I think. Which one's at 49 and 70? Kansas City? No, no, no. I think so. Not not familiar with this area. <sighs> I've been to Heartland Park now four times. Three times. Three times? I think. We've been here. This isn't our fourth time. I think this is our fourth time. No. I don't think so. Oh, shit. I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> John, John's <laughs> on the show. More than right. two times. That's how many times we've been here. Yeah. Hey, John. Hey Got John Raymond here. Um, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like those things. Um, okay, Walked so down the walkway. <laughs> um, Four people are going to chuckle at that. <laughs> <laughs> we made it a building. Three of them are on the show. <laughs> um, so not my turn, not my problem. That's what Grid I life goes to a bunch of new tracks every year it no, seems like a couple of new tracks it seems. like a couple are always consistently on the schedule what is what's a typical process like how did I, john and i neither of us had ever even heard of this place so right. what's the story well they've never rented it ever they uh they started building it, i think in 2018 the owner sold his big company i don't know how much i'm supposed to talk about but he had a big company sold it I'm assuming that his accountant was like, you're going to have to pay a lot of money in taxes unless you start another business and probably one that loses a bunch of money that you enjoy. And he was like, I know what to do. <laughs> so he spent probably 30 million bucks on a racetrack. Sick. It's a, it's a Alan Wilson track. So it feels a lot like Gingerman, Autobahn, Barber, you know, all those familiar turns, a lot of runoff, pretty safe, um, bunch more elevation change and gorgeous. I mean, phenomenal. All the corner worker stations are basically not even needed because everything is electronic boards. They've got uh, fiber everywhere. They've Sick. got in all kinds of locations where the fiber is. They've got like big gang boxes with all the power outlets, so they can like they're set up to like. Oh, does NASCAR want to run here? Plug all the cameras in. 
Neat. It's wild. Like, so much about it's crazy. What was this place called again? Hedge Hollow. Hedge Hollow. It's just south of Kansas City, probably 40 miles. Middle of nowhere. You're driving down, like, two-lane farm roads that my bus is in the grass on the right side and over the line in the middle. That's how little the roads are. And I'm thinking, is if the semi-truck comes, like, I'm, I'm going way too fast. It was... It was pretty wild getting there, but you pull up to it and it's perfect fence line, all barbed wire, scrim covering it so you can't see it. It looks like a government black op site. It's wild. And the owner has a thousand acres. 750 of it is a, like a game preserve that he just set up because he's- I'm looking at right now. It's pretty incredible. It's it's wild. Got two circuits. You can do, I think, 3.56 miles total if you like link the middle and it's got like two, two mile circuits. Or one and a half and a two mile. It's kind of like Autobahn, but better. Um, good elevation, some dropping fast downhill stuff. It was really impressive racetrack. One of the things that uh, concerned me when I saw the uh, Ozarks track debut was the number of like blind crests right. and things and how that might be disruptive and, and for, like for big comp- drop too. Yeah. Big might be point. really disruptive right. for competition as like right. just dangerous. What about this place? This place would be really fast sweeper. A lot of fast sweeper. Um, runoff to save somebody if they screw up in a fast sweeper, but um, not a ton of blind. Okay. Great sight lines everywhere. Um, probably, probably the area that people would screw up. I mean, I really couldn't pinpoint something that like would, if you did the main course, like the big course, I couldn't pinpoint an area where it would be a problem except for maybe people just carrying too much speed in a couple areas because it's fast. It's like, it's like Autobahn up a gear. That's oh, wow. what it feels like. Do you have like. any like good elevation changes? Quite at all? a bit, quite a bit. Um, some like fifty to eighty foot drops. It felt like somewhere in that range, um, <clears throat> and like multiple. Did turns you tour in the, the circuit itself? Yeah, or? we d- we drove it for half an hour, 20, 30 minutes. Probably. In what car? Uh, the manager dude's WRX. Okay, cool. Um, it was bucket raining, but um, the craziest thing they've got. They don't have a lot yet because they've never done a rental. They don't have any garbage cans. They don't have any public bathrooms. They do have a paddock area, probably about the size of the paddock area in the lower section of uh, Heartland here. So if you pack it in tight, 150 cars with Smallish, rakes. yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I'm battling a cold. Um, 150 cars, maybe 125, so it couldn't do a giant event yet. They have a second paddock that you have to like do a ring road around to that you could probably put another 80 cars in. Okay. Because um, you can run both tracks simultaneously. They have separate paddocks. Um, everything is controlled from one of the suites right now. They don't have a tower built, but the suites are, you've been to Coda. The garages are similar in size to Coda garages. Nice. Gorgeous. Every garage has like a washer and dryer combo in it. What? And like a sink and a bathroom and a shower downstairs. And upstairs, every garage has a gorgeous suite with full bathroom again, full kitchen, uh, big balcony with double sliding doors, probably the most baller aluminum and glass sliding doors I've ever seen. Each, I bet you each suite had a hundred thousand dollars in windows and doors in it. Like That's crazy. high end, real high end, real nice apartment rental, real there. nice granite countertops. Everything's gorgeous. It's the size of like an apartment. Each one, probably each one's probably half the size, or maybe a little, probably similar to the to the second floor of the tower here. Probably about this size. Um. All perfect because they've never been used. There's 20 of those, 20 garages. You can probably put 80 cars in garages. Each one you can probably put four to six in. They're pretty big, kind of like Coda. Dang. Um, 
Pit lane's a little smaller. It's like a two-thirds scale coat of pit lane. Feels a little bit F1-y when you're in pit lane. The garages are right up there, balconies and stuff. Um, It's all set up to run with one race control person and a safety person if you want. So, like, even there's even, like, an electronic gate to, like, enter and exit the racetrack. Wild. Um, All digital flag system designed by Race Engineering, the company who's doing all the modern racetracks now, all the digital flag stuff. And uh, just phenomenally pretty. Just real pretty. Very cool track. So we'll see if something happens there. So what is their timetable on when they're... Are they planning to be a track for rent? Yeah. Uh, They've done like two buddy HPDEs so far. He said two, right, Mike? Yes. Two rentals ever. (laughs) So me and Mike are driving out and we're like, what would you need? You need public bathrooms or porta potties. You'd need food truck. Uh, You'd... You'd want to tell everybody the closest gas station is 15 minutes away. Closest food is 15 minutes away by Farm Road. Um, there's a bunch of bathrooms, but they're all inside the suites, oh. which is fine. But, like, you want porta-potties and all that stuff. Uh, you need garbage cans. You need a dumpster. You need, like, they don't have anything. They've got all, like, the crew. All the, they've got a couple dudes that can run all the safety gear and the rescue and, the you know, everything to run the racetrack. They can bring in ambulance, obviously. I bet a bunch of OEMs have tested there, which is probably some of the thing that they're doing. But, um, yeah, it's just wild. It's wild. And it's gorgeous. Man. Yeah, real pretty. So real fun. Are they looking for rentals for next year, probably? Yeah, but pretty casually. He's yeah. like, yeah, let me know. Whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, is there any dates taken? He's like, tell me what you want. <laughs> like, there's no dates on the schedule. Low-key 2024 track rental. They're, yeah, I, it must have been just like a, hey, we're going to have to pay too much money in taxes. Let's build a racetrack. We'll start another business. That mu- that's the only reason you could justify spending this much money in the middle of the field. Yeah. It was crazy and so cool. So cool. How wide was the track? It's a 40-footer, so it's not huge, but it's not tiny. Yeah, it's plenty of racing room, though. Yeah, you could run. It's a comparable run, Autobahn. There were club races there. Yeah. It's not It's not Coda, but um, how wide is like Watkins Glen on the main straight? 60, probably? Oh, I don't know. Felt pretty big. Glenn felt huge. But um yeah, cool place. We'll see if we go there. Um, find a hole in the schedule that doesn't exist. Yeah. We're trying to space everything two to four weeks Fuck, next good. year. Everything that core team does at least. Um so a, a criticism or a critique that I had for this year was that there were too many like bucket list top top tracks that were too close together. Right. Like um, we can, we could, and should continue to have those if we can kind of space them out so that people don't have to leave Road America, stop by their house and fix their broken stuff, and yep. then drive to Mid Ohio or gen- yeah. then drive to Lamar. Whatever. I never want to do that again. That wasn't supposed to happen. I know. But Road America is not getting an NASCAR event next year. Oh, interesting. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know they that. They just published it. Yeah. Hmm. We had a meeting with them the other day, so they're eager to have us back, which is great. So, what about the race control? It was great last year, really, or this year? I mean, things are generally great when I did have an interaction with Krabby Mike. Did you in America? Yeah, I had, I had a bunch of interactions with him. He was not race control. They booted him out. Oh man, he was like lead safety, like dude in the Mazda truck running around. Okay, and Renee, <laughs> Renee sent me to go pull cars up in for impound up by turn five. You know where they like s out of the racetrack at the bottom of turn five through all the safety barriers. I ride up there on my bike looking like a dirt bag with a radio. Mike doesn't recognize me. And uh, 
And he's like, hey, you can't be here. I'm like, I can be here. And he's, <laughs> like, he's like, you can't be here. I'm like, I got to pull cars in for Impon. They're throwing checker flag in one lap. And he's like, oh, I recognize you. All right, get behind this wall over here. <laughs> he was like, he was yelling at me. And I just I kind of ignored him and told him I could be there. Yeah. Showed him my card like Ron Swanson says I could do what I want. <laughs> um, John, you had an inter- interesting inter- interesting experience this week. Can we talk about it if we don't? My, uh, allegedly. It was allegedly. You had an interesting experience. Yeah, the the uh, names will be removed to protect the um, incompetent. I don't know. No, there, there's a hypothetical yeah. So what if what if somebody worked for we don't know who this person is somebody worked for an experience company who had extremely fast vehicles and they put on experiences and you had this person had contracted to work at a track owned by I don't know like um, you know not NASCAR but like RASCAR like this big RASCAR racetrack. Yeah. Rascar Racetrack, um, maybe in Michigan or something. Somewhere. I don't know. Just wherever you want Somewhere to Somewhere in the Midwest. Big racetrack, right? Yeah, one of the biggest, yeah. in theory. Um, Allegedly. What what kind of what kind of services would you get from track staff and stuff when you like so show usually, up there? I mean, it's similar to Road America. So if somebody did this, what yeah, would yeah, they Hypothetically, get? it'd be similar to Road America where everybody's on top of it, right? Where, um, you know, pre-event stuff, you're getting emails and contracts. They want to know everything. Weeks in advance. Right. Yeah, they know how many people are showing up, first and last names birth certificates of everybody showing up like that kind of stuff like dot and i's cross and t's yeah they want your socials they want oh yeah they want everything and um you know it's a hypothetically be a huge track right mm-hmm. uh one of the biggest in the country one of the well, most it's rascar so like yeah, yeah it's a big one and one yeah. of the main hubs for yeah rascar. big rascar track oh yeah and um now i know the story of this guy who showed up to a track like that once this and, week maybe um, yeah i heard it was like last week but this is all hypothetical and he was emailing the track uh, weekend after weekend, week after week, trying to get a hold of them pre-event. And um, they were getting nothing but crickets back. Mm. And it actually started out with an issue for catering where they couldn't find a way to get food for their staff. Really? Um, because everything in the area had shut down or gone bankrupt or whatnot. This, uh, the staff that's hosting this experience? Theoretical experience. This ex- theoretical yeah, yeah. yeah. So, experience that's yeah so this know. third party is trying to come into this track and um they reach out to the racetrack seeing if catering can help and they did get a response and this was like six weeks i think uh prior to the event and the response was we can cater you for like 24 dollars a head Whoa. and uh was a little bit over their budget from what i heard and uh time goes on they're getting closer to the event about four weeks out just trying to you know go over logistics details uh, gate times, arrival times, and there's just no response. In, some, in a case like that, would somebody just run for Jimmy John's? What are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, we're ordering Chick-fil-A if we can, you know. <laughs> nice. But, uh, some tracks have uh, contingencies where you have to get it from their catering service. So you always have to double-check that so you're not stepping on toes, right? right. But, um, yeah, a friend of mine said that he was doing this event at this racetrack. Theoretically, he said. In, in theory. and Ron Jamond <laughs> is the name <laughs> I, of I know this that guy. guy. I know that guy. And he couldn't get a hold of anybody. And he has all of his points of contact. He's emailing them, and just no one's getting back to him. And it went How from, close to the event are we? Well, we're four weeks out, three weeks, two weeks, and now we're at the uh, Friday before the weekend before the event. When's so old Ron showing up at uh, this Rascar track? Yeah, so he's showing up on Wednesday. So okay. it's the Friday prior, and we're getting nothing back. So we go into the weekend, and um, 
He can't get any emails back. Monday comes by. He's making phone calls. No one's answering the phone. Right. So he calls. Um, they told me that he was thinking about calling the head of safety. Right. And because uh, he might have had his number or something. Yeah, something like that from working there mm-hmm. previously. Ron's got all those numbers, dude. And uh, the head of safety answers the phone and says, "You know, just show up. We'll make it work one way or another. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you taken care of. Don't worry about it." Yep. And um, my friend theoretically shows up to the racetrack on Wednesday, the day they're supposed to. Right. Load in. For how big of an event is this? How many days are we talking about? Uh, how many, how it's a four-day event with... How uh, many experiencers? Let's say uh, it's a four-day event with a fifth day that they load in, uh, being that Wednesday. Jeez. And they'll see about 4,000 people, give or take. That's a lot of customers. And um, theoretically. Yeah, Ron's got to be stressing right now. Yeah, a little bit. He can't get a hold of the track. No one's talking to him. Man. They're showing up at, uh, theoretically, like a world-class facility. Yeah, and one of the biggest Rascar tracks. And no one's there. Gates yeah. are locked. And uh, Oh, no. <laughs> he makes a, a phone call and allegedly was given some keys uh, to the facility and said, go open up what you need. And uh, theoretically, he goes in. With this master set of keys and opens allegedly, up, allegedly, theoretically, and opens in theory, up, <laughs> opens up all these gates, opens up the racetrack. Opens We're talking up like a suites, really big place, like real big. Yeah, like what's the capacity of this Rascar track? Oh, 50, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of thousands. Probably a hundred thousand. Hundreds, easy. And um, it was uh, allegedly the fastest Rascar track on their series that they run too. So it's one of the big ones. And, and uh, yeah, he got the keys from what I was told and opened up the facility on that Wednesday. 137,000 max at this Rascar track. There you go. That's a big place. And, uh, you know, day one rolls up of operation. Yep. And the whole team rolls in. Customers are checking in. Nobody from the track yet. Head of safety's there, though. The fire rescue crew that they need to operate on the racetrack is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was allegedly an experience where my friend was able to run a racetrack by himself that he just let himself Nobody into. Nobody from the racetrack. And no there. one from the racetrack. That's unheard of. It was, it was pretty cool from what I heard. Yeah. I couldn't imagine, personally. The, the one time that I was at Daytona for a champ car race, there was probably 150 people in yellow shirts working for Daytona. Sure. And Daytona's a NASCAR, a NASCAR track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. Not to be confused with, of course. Yeah, and... Like, we're talking, like, I don't even know how they even pay the bills. There's so many people working. Oh, absolutely. This is a small event. There's, like, 110 cars. Oh, yeah. And there was an Optima event happening on the infield at the same time. Yeah, and you got one staff member per car, basically. Yeah. It's so many people. But you did a whole, he, Ron, did a whole Rascar event. Yeah, yeah. With 4,000 experiencers. Yeah. And never saw a soul besides the safety track. No, the safety guys were great. Um he was telling me the story of how some of the bathrooms that he had were flooding, and there was no facilities either. No, there were the facilities. I were mean, great. the facilities. There was no one staff. to manage the facilities. Nobody had empty the garbage cans. No, so he uh, he went, and when the garbage cans were full, he didn't have anywhere to empty them, so he just dragged over other garbage cans and replaced. <laughs> just hid the hid <laughs> the full That's what cans. He told me. What about uh, in theory? What about like what? What would happen if like a toilet would overflow and a bathroom would get gross? I think he just locked doors and yeah, grabbed just, a different bathroom. Or man, something. old Ronsky, he's on top of this. <laughs> what the heck, dude? It's one of the that would be stories. like I, uh, when we were talking earlier. I, I I equated it in the road course world. That would be like showing up to VIR, paying VIR a lot of money to be there, and then having to cut a padlock to get in. Oh yeah, and then like you just use VIR. 
and nobody bats an eye. I mean, imagine the feeling going out into one of the biggest uh, RASCAR tracks. Yeah, RASCAR. And going into turn one in <laughs> allegedly a fast car, thinking, does anybody even know that I'm here? Does anyone know I'm in this Lambo? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Or, or similar. Yeah. Or whatever they have, you know. Yeah, or this experience of... It might be a bunch of, like, Hyundai Hi- Toyota Hiaces or oh, something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a weird experience for old Ron. That's a, that's a good one. Is Any, that... Do you have any other... Uh, does Ron? Do you have any other... Does Ron have any other <laughs> extreme experiences? The the list does go on. Yeah. Uh, for about eight years back now, actually. Is Ron, does Ron know that guy that did that that Kanye West thing? Yeah, he does, actually. He does know that guy? He does. Does he sleep with his girlfriend? Uh, I'm not going to answer any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Same guy? No, different guy, different guy. Yeah. Yeah, some uh, crazy stories from him. Yeah, some they, extreme uh, experiences, dude. Yeah, there's a story where... There was a launch for a Ferrari 296 GTS or GTB, whatever a it is. A launch? What do you mean? Uh, new Ferrari is getting revealed. Oh, so yeah. Just like a like press that. launch or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, his company advertised it for sale before the company ever got one or tested it. And uh, Oh, like for rent at, oh, their, yeah, yeah, yeah. at their experiences? And that's on sale right now on the website from what I heard. Really? Yeah, but I don't think we can buy any of those cars just yet. So oh, we're real excited to see that one happen and work out. How uh, does that work? Uh, we got some friends and some, some dealers, from what I heard, and uh, they're going to be collecting those cars over the winter and launching them for 2024. Hey, whatever, We did man. get, uh, what Ron did tell me, uh, one of his extreme experiences was he ha- worked for a company that puts you know high-end sports cars on the racetrack and right, things like right. that. Um, Rascar racetracks? They couldn't get their hand on uh, a Z06 C8. Or, really? Yeah, so they've been running the the regular C8 for a while. Right. They just tell people it was Z06? No, 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 no <laughs> nothing like that. But they've been wanting one. And they were at um, a racetrack very similar to the uh, National Corvette Museum. Yeah. If you ever heard of that place, just like it. Just like NCAA? Just like it, like almost identical. Is it on I-65 also? It is, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's in Kentucky <laughs> as well. I haven't heard of that one, but... No, it's just like... It's literally just like, like NCM. Yeah, just like NCM. Did it get so, hit by a tornado also? It did. It wow, did, actually. that's crazy. Yeah, like three years ago, something Amazing. like that. Amazing. But um, they brought out a Z06 to play with mm-hmm. uh, for Ron. And uh, right. Ron got a chance to look at it. And yep. one of Ron's favorite memories of the day or of the year, from what he told me, was it's the end of uh, his track operation. And the managers at Just Like NCM yeah. come over in the Z06 and said, do you want to test it out or see what it's like? And oh, yeah. And Ron said, of course. So Ron gets in the passenger seat just hanging out. And he says over to the manager of Just Like NCM, "Yeah, um, <laughs> hey, our... We're not What's this on, place called? It's, it's called Just Like NCM. Oh, okay. That's okay. cool. He says, hey, we're not on uh, you know, that one company's insurance that Ron works for. Right. And the manager of Just Like NCM says, uh, no, I don't think so. And then does a full launch control out of uh, mm. pit lane in the Z06. And that was Ron's first time in the Z06. How fast are they? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like, from what I heard. Don't they run like high 10s? I don't know about the uh, quarter mile time. They're but NA too. It was comparable from what Ron told me to like a 4.58. Okay. Pretty quick. Which is pretty, pretty good. Quick, pretty the, fast. The C8 Corvette was supposed to be or was marketed as like a rival right. for the Ferrari and whatnot, and it just wasn't. But then the Z06 fixed all that, actually. Dude, they it sound was, so good, too. It was such a good uh, car, from what Ron told me. Very stable in the corners. Uh, not a lot of oversteer. Almost no understeer. Yeah. Um, very forgiving car. To what kind of tires do they come on from the factory, do you? 
I think they're on some Michelins, were they not? I'm not sure. I don't think they were on the Cup 2s or anything crazy like that. I think it was a different company. Pilot Sports something, whatnot. Yeah, I don't think it was the Cup 2s, though. Mm. I just remember Ron told me that after that ride, that was at you know a nice, considerate, like, 12 tenths. Yeah. Uh, the tires <laughs> were just chunking Just a front. cautious 12 tenths. Yeah, very cautious 12 tenths on yeah. somebody's insurance. Yeah. Well. But yeah, it was... Uh, Insurance is only, it's only for if you need it. If you don't need it. But if there's nobody there from the racetrack. Yeah. We need so to Ron is driving, potentially driving, allegedly, some really cool stuff every year. What's what's Ron's favorite car to drive? Yeah, Ron. I mean, yeah, John. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what Ron's favorite car is to drive? What's his favorite extreme car to drive? Yeah. Like extreme, to experience. Like- <laughs> 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 so I think Ron's favorite car making him blush finally it's, it's, he's, it's he's usually cool as a cucumber and he's it's blushing. just 90 degrees it's 78 there, degrees in and not in yeah. here it's not yeah. that's what it says on the thermometer but it does feel hotter but um, the favorite car in that fleet uh, of Ron's was always the 458 Ferrari yeah. which got replaced by the 488 which okay. we all expected to be just a better 458 right mm-hmm. it's the newer updated version with 100 more horsepower and um actually the 458 went down dramatically or the 488 i'm sorry because it was twin turbo 100 more horsepower but it just was more prone to understeer really? and had a lot of turbo lag and you turn it up into you know everything off schumacher mode and it's a much better car right but um it just wasn't quite as crisp and then came the uh the 991.2 GT3 RS, mm-hmm. which was collectively everybody's favorite. Um, thing turns on a dime. I heard the steer. engines blow up on those. Uh, frequently, actually. You, uh, Do you know if Ron has had any blow up on him? Uh, I think he's got like four or something like that. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Ron, Ron's been around for a oh lot of Oh my gosh, that's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. And um, What happens in that case? Does so Ron's company have a on, warranty on these cars? So yeah, it depends. Uh, Ron was telling me that Porsche was not warranting some of the work because the engines would over rev. Right. Um, and they've got all and the, they data, got on the data on that. So Porsche goes in and can see that, hey, this car has done, you know, 19 revolutions over red line and therefore we voided the warranty on this engine. Okay, great. And uh, they'll give you a core exchange if you send the engine in allegedly. And the work is only then between 40 and 60,000. Good grief. But I mean, that's a lot for a rebuild. How come they, what, like, is it over redline because people are popping clutches too? So there's a, there's a couple ways. Are, where, are these PDKs? Yeah, yeah. Well, PDKs. then why are they allowed to over rev? So one of them that we found, um, man, asking the tough questions here. One of them that no, Ron I'm d- dead found, serious. Like it's an automatic. It can like tell it what self what to do. So Ron says if you are in automatic mode, yeah. and the car is downshifting, and if you manage to downshift the car manually via paddle or whatever. At the same time, it was already going to downshift. You can double downshift it. That sounds like a they problem. That's you know, I would imagine so. Yeah, Uh, Porsche or yeah, that sounds like a programming problem to me. I can see if you have if you have a stick shift, right? Oh yeah, and you're like, oh man, nine thousand RPMs in third, downshift to second. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, but like it's a it's a flappy paddle. Well, recently Ron was at. just like Autobahn Country Club. Very similar. <laughs> okay. And, Strange. Um, just got a fresh rebuild done. And the way the uh, exhaust is routed on one of those is it comes out of the side. You know, it's a boxer engine and whatnot. Right. Loops down, and there's like a low point that makes like a V. 
and then it comes back up and then out the center of the rear bumper and they're just you know testing a new new engine in mm-hmm. an old car and uh the car slowly comes to a stop and then just stalls out right and Ron had no idea what's going on, so his whole team's over there. They was Ron driving? No, Ron was not driving. Fortunately, but Ron flat towed the car in, Ugh. and we uh, or they, from what I heard, jacked the car up and got a bunch of coolant yep. out of the exhaust, and all the coolant had found its way into the exhaust and collected at that low point in there. That's not a good thing. So they've been having uh, some problems with those cars. They are pretty best cars to drive by far. Are they really that good? Uh, it's it life changing, genuinely. I can't drive one of those. Uh, Ron was telling me that it changed his entire perspective of streetcars. Yep. It feels like a track-prepped, purpose-built race car Yeah, that's a streetcar. And it was phenomenal. So you and Ron are close. Um, you've uh I've seen you at our, our events thoroughly enjoy a um, Ben Harusky's, what's it called? Ultima? Uh, what's that thing called? Radical. 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 Yeah. Uh, What's a radical compared to like a a new modern supercar ish thing like a Porsche? You know, that's actually alarmingly comparable. Really? Um, at least the uh, the radical from Ben that I got to drive a right. couple times in the in the old spec nine and one point two GT three RS. Because mind you, there's the new one now that has DRS and Active Aero, which oh, just okay. came out. Um, the ones I'm talking about are like 2018 to 2020 spec or so. Right. Do you know what motor Ben's uh, radical had? I don't. Have I think that was a Buso. If, yeah, I think most of them are. I think yeah. it's. Just, I think it was the. Not. I'm thinking of Spec Racer Fords with the whole Gen Three thing. There's a radical with I think with a EcoBoost V6. Too. Yeah, no, but that's not what Ben has. Yeah, Ben's got the small one. But um, yeah, because it's like a bike clutch. Yeah, SR3, I think it's called. But it's very comparable because the uh, you have to go faster than you think you're supposed to for it to work. It's comparable to like a Formula car almost. And it's the same thing with the GT3. It's one of the only street cars I've driven the RS specifically. Mm-hmm. That has arrow that works in a way of like a true arrow car. Really? Uh, for a street car. And you can tell. It's it's really impressive because the faster you go, the better the car feels. So like turn three at Gingerman, for example. Right. Um, you crest that little hill. You know, you go up a little bit before you turn in. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's a low point before the turn in. Uh, you have to go past that crest before you can even start slowing down in some of these cars. Really? Uh, to get in there. And it was mind-boggling. That's and uh, my first time driving a Radical... Uh, was Ben's Radical. Right. And I just said, you know, this thing is just handling horribly. I said, I can't drive this. Because you're going too slow. Yeah, I'm going too slow. And he says, no, you just got to throw it in there. Yeah. And I said, well, like a Formula car? Because I used to race like Formula Enterprise. And oh, really? Okay. Little op- open wheel yep. stuff like that. And he says, yeah, the faster you go, the better it works. Right. And right. so, you know, I kind of half sent it like right. a little bit like lightly in there. And said, okay, this felt a little bit better. And so I'm at my normal braking points. And... um Staying flat on the throttle and then just kind of flung it in, and all of a sudden everything worked. Just came alive. Yeah. And the car doesn't slide, doesn't come out from under you. Right. You go in thinking you're going to be drifting this thing or sliding it, and it just, just go just to hooks the wood and it goes instantly. That's why. You just point it where you want to go. Sounds cool, too. It's, uh, it Was ruins that, you, though. I think a paddle shift? Yeah. That's what I thought. It does ruin you, though. It takes away. Because uh, I, I race a uh, Spec Miata and whatnot, and I enjoy my 94 horsepower on a crisp fall day. Yeah, everybody does. And have a great time doing that. And um, those are all momentum-based cars. But if you drive an aero car... It's not even the same hobby. Yeah, but if you drive like an aero yeah. car, the way you drive a momentum-based yeah. car... And it's all not that, even the same thing. It's yeah. night and day difference. And it becomes addicting. I mean, yep. it it turns 
what you thought was like your hobby into a new type of adrenaline rush that you can no longer achieve until you go back and do that. Yeah, but so uh, <clears throat> I have a couple other questions about reliability of extreme cars. Yeah, just, 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 just like top end, like yeah, like you have your normal cars and your more extreme. Yeah, based the cars. more extreme ones. Yeah, sure. Um, like some of these really extreme cars have turbochargers in them, um, like new Ferraris and things oh, like yeah. that. How's that working out? Uh, really well. After we learned how to replace them. Or Ron, actually, I should say. My oh, friend. Sure. None of this is me. Well, but. how many turbos were replaced before Ron learned how to yeah, replace I was going to say replace the cars or the turbos? Yeah, so I couldn't speak on that. But um, what's really fascinating is, this will put it into perspective for you, is a Lamborghini Huracan's pretty bulletproof, um, which I think most people wouldn't expect. What gen? Like the modern gen? Uh, just all of them, honestly. Just since the all Huracan came yeah. out, they're, the LP610-4, uh, specifically has been relatively bulletproof and you can put i mean ron had one with thirty thousand miles which is high miles all track for, miles uh for a supercar yeah uh, i believe it was almost all track you're miles. so good at saying ron now too it's kind of disturbing <laughs> it's not the first time <laughs> but um for example a ferrari with fifteen thousand miles is considered high mileage right and a lamborghini with like twenty five thousand miles you could look at and say oh, that's fine don't even think about it really and, um, so it's much more like an Audi or a Volkswagen. Yeah, nowadays. definitely. But right. the turbos on the 48s, uh, they found was a weak point. And it could be due to just um, heat soaking, uh, going on track, running yeah. real hard for a little bit, then stopping, then going, then stopping, then going. Yeah, I would imagine that lifestyle. Tur- turbo cars don't seem to like that. That three, four uh, laps at a time lifestyle would be tough on that. I think on average you would be doing a, a set of turbos per season on hmm. those cars. Uh, on average, what about the fluid uh, and like consumables changes? How what's the worst on that? So the worst is, if I remember correctly, it might be the Huracan. Not for any other reason than I think it has either eight or ten different drain plugs, and it's a Good. whole sequence and t- how you pull it. You got to do a whole under tray on it, right? And all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, it's either that or the GT3 which I think has like a 45-minute drain time or something crazy like that. So it's that. got a big dry sump system. Yeah, 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 and you got to like angle. A lot of those cars of have like a factory dry sump. Yeah, there's some crazy yeah, stuff. you got to take the whole car apart to get the oil out. Some real weird stuff. Yep. So what do you what do you learn about the, um, the turbochargers and Ferraris that makes them hopefully last a little bit longer? I think it's just a wear item. It really is. I mean, they Probably on full boil the entire time. Yeah, and they fail for different reasons. I don't think it's a Ferrari fault. I think it's a use fault. Yeah. Because... Um, Personal experience with a Mitsubishi Evo, uh, Evo 10 running in the same fashion on like an OEM setup right. was if you ran it for a few laps and then stopped and didn't do a proper cool down and then ran it really hard for a few laps and stopped and a few laps and stopped, it would consistently heat soak and then we would have similar problems there. Mm. Or he would, I would say. But um, <laughs> He would. Yeah. <laughs> Sidebar. Ron's team. Someone who listens to the show is a guy that I knew <clears throat> from Ohio. Okay. Mm. Just did an Evo 10 engine swap into a Miata. Really? And he, I think on Friday night last week, he first started the car, and then on Sunday, he like went to the autocross and drag, uh, drag strip. That's a aluminum four-cylinder, right? Yeah. Um, did he love it? Just really fast. Did he make an adapter plate to a rear-drive transmission? Or? Yeah, he did. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I, I'm Who gonna, is this? Do I know this guy? No, nah, you might not know. Uh, shout out to Adam Austin. Thanks for I keeping me updated on all the cool don't shit. Know that What's name? he doing? Like 350 horsepower or something? Like that? Uh, I mean, probably. Um, and what gen Miata? Because now I want to know. 
Is it a true sunburst that's a good emblem on there? He's got a Mitsubishi emblem where the Mazda emblem would be. That's a really interesting engine. It fits well. That does look like it fits pretty well. It does. How how tough is So what did he say? Um, A couple of things about this car, just to like shout out. Um, I've never heard of that engine. uh, V8, like Roadster, Miata. Subframe. Subframe to get it to fit. Um, Let's see. Face-plated T56. Oh, really? Um, He's like a Camaro trans, huh? Yeah. And Does somebody make an adapter plate for that? And a 488 rear. Well, I'm going to say it's a weird car. Um, I mean, it's unique. Why would... Yeah, I've never heard of that engine being put in anything else. Well, I know a lot of the He says, all the work was done in-house. We spent a year, almost a year, trying to get someone to make an adapter plate for us, and then we acquired our own CNC... So we made our own. That's wild. Motor is solid mounted. It has a V8 Roadster subframe with no V8 motor mounts, <clears throat> made mounts that attach to the adapter plate in the stock front location. That's mm-hmm. super cool. Mtron ECU, ECU Master um, PMU. <laughs> All wiring done from scratch. That's super cool. That's really is it a stock cool. engine or built? <laughs> I didn't ask. Yeah. It looks like a big turbo on it. What so. can uh, an Evo 10 engine do without getting inside of it? Like um, 400? They fail on torque. Um, okay. They can do like they can do like more than five hundred wheel okay. um, horsepower. Yeah. Uh, as long as the torque delivery is really soft. Okay. So um, sort of like a, a stock K series. If you have early early torque, you just throw the yeah, rods you'll, out. The you'll motor. crush it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but you can. Do I think the number wheel the number like generally is like three hundred fifty wheel torque okay. is like That's safe. A lot. That's a lot still. That would be a hoot in a Miata. It would be a blast. Probably get that thing down to the 2,500-pound range. Easy. Well, did you listen to uh, the show we did with uh, David Calzada? He was, he was saying he was doing one. like 170 or something, nearly 170 on the front straight at Road America. America. Too fast. Yeah, he's, that thing is in, it's in like the 550 wheel range, 600 wheel range. With and like a, a regular Miata chassis, I found like 250 horsepower on like, you know, minimum 8-inch yeah. tires with like slicks and whatnot is about the max you want to do. And David then, wants double or triple that. I know, but then you get into the 500 range. And I'm talking yeah. like an NA Miata on yeah. like spec Miata suspension and whatnot. Right. If you're anywhere near the 500s, that thing is just scary to drive. It's he's, like He said it was so fast that the mirrors folded in. I believe that. This thing's on Formula Atlantic slicks yep. and like brand new non-DOT Hoosiers. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, watching it go, I was... During much of the Road America event, I was standing near the release of False Grid yep. and watching it go past me like on the warm-up and second lap and stuff. Dude. Fastest Miata you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it was, it was like one of the fastest cars <laughs> in a straight line there. It was like as fast as Ernie's car. As, it was Ernie's crazy C6. Yeah. It was so fast. He was running like 217 or what, 217s? Yeah, yeah. 217. No That's freaking quick. That's real fast. I think he... Didn't he say he reset... He reset the Miata Road America record, obviously. Well, easily. But like... It's by like the next closest one is like twelve seconds back or something. It's like no, the next closest one is Lichty in a GLTC car. Oh yeah, yeah, which is like what two thirty two or something. Yeah, probably something like that. Crazy. The most fun anyone's ever had in a Miata at Road America. I'm yeah, sure. or the most scared. Yeah. One of the, I wouldn't want to do it. Like I have no desire to do that anymore. So the the fastest I'm I intimidated to drive a fit here tomorrow. <laughs> the fastest <laughs> I think I ever went with me driving. Was um, like one seventies or something, like high one seventies. Right, we're at like with a me driving or? at Palm Beach actually, Palm Beach International oh, yeah, Raceway. Yeah. That had a big back straight. Yeah, it was a great track back when it was uh, not a Walmart. Um, Is it actually a Walmart or a distro? It's, it's, a, it's some kind of. Um, it's, it's a hub a, of some sort, right? It's becoming like a warehouse building. Or yeah, something. yeah. But I was at um, 
a racetrack too bad. after that, uh, just like Nola Motorsports Park. Um, <laughs> just like it? Just like it. Uh, was it after or before the repave of the straightaway? Uh, it was before. Oh, so it was a little washboardy. And uh, my friend Ron invited me out into a Hellcat. Yep. And uh, we were out there just doing full course at NOLA. Was it uh, during the middle of the night, like the one time that <laughs> no. I was screwing around at NOLA? No, this was uh, was, was, this was was so NOLA, wild. mind you. This was, was, was it just like NOLA? <laughs> this was just like NOLA. Just like it's NOLA. It's actually, did. if you look on the map, it's right, right next to it. We went looking for gators at like <laughs> 1 a.m. Yeah, that was fun. But we hit like 155, and uh, we went over what would be the equivalent of like changing one and a half lanes on the highway oh, yeah. because of the bumps. That track, it was real washboard. And uh, I mean, that was yeah. the only time I've ever been driving a car where well, I let off and said, that's enough for me. When like, we I were there in, 20, in 2020, it was right at the end of the first year of COVID. I drove your old fit when Kevin had it. That was nice. the only car I've ever driven at NOLA. And I drove it there and it was pretty stiffly sprung. Yeah. BC coilovers and Falcons. Um, and... That stupid thing on the straightaway, like, kind of freaked me out. It was bouncing all over the place. Oh, yeah. I don't know how anybody drive, drove that place. That like, it's all it's all flattened out now. But well, what's what's so fascinating? I think it's another Alan Wilson track. Too. Some other tracks are having the same problem because it's built on uh, swamp grounds. Yeah, everything and whatnot. Swamp. But the repave is the only thing that can really save it, is because they were grinding down the bumps. But there's a another track in it's not much of a track anymore but it was a track english town raceway right where a bunch of the drift guys go yep um it does something similar where they grind down the bumps but the problem is actually the divots because as you're mm. braking in like some uh you know heavy braking zones and whatnot you're physically bringing the pavement with you and think of it as like scrunching up a carpet like right. when a dog is running and stops on a like a rug or something right and it starts to bunch that whole thing up whether it's on sand or whether yeah, yeah. underneath the swamp ground and you grind down the high points but now you still have the low points so you still get the same effect and then the pavement's getting thinner and, and thinner, thinner and thinner yeah, yeah and, it can um, it can move around more and more and the effect doesn't yeah. stop especially in a super hot environment like that yeah so like at nola yeah. it won't be as bad because you don't get the freezing so the asphalt doesn't you know right. freeze and get you know real hard and then thaw in the summer and get moved around but right. like at um english town new jersey um same kind of thing would happen where but you get big freestyle there oh yeah and it would bump yep. it would and hurricanes yeah and, and you'd yeah. grind it down and whatnot but you still have that nasty bump which i think uh ron actually may have done some damage to some porsches over there oh no uh due to those bumps actually oh over ron what a crazy guy ron's a crazy crazy yeah. man. what a weird life he lives good life though yeah got a lot of stories yeah a lot of stories well i think we did a show hey shout out to the uh track tune forum yeah, we haven't uh, talked about it on the show recently eric yelled at us because we haven't talked about it um, post, post your post your build thread because that you, seems to be there? the thing what's that the, people are. What's the thing? Uh, forums.tracktune.com forums forums.tracktune.com Yeah, build threads are fun. I've I've enjoyed reading all the build threads. I, I encouraged post, my my boy Adam to put a build thread on. I, I've lurked, but I haven't posted in the last month or so because if we've been at events and then when we weren't at an event, finally I just had to catch up on my construction life. And yeah, but yeah, a lot of build threads. Good build threads. We had a nice little break. It's been good. One month off was awesome. I want to have more one months off. Yeah. I mean, you say that now, but we're coming up to December. Yeah. And, and then, then next so five days, we're going to be in Willow. Is there, uh, is there anything confirmed, locked, like that we can talk about for next year? Uh, I've got most of the schedule sorted, yeah. Do you? Yep. Anything you want to talk about? <laughs> Not really. Okay. <laughs> it just looks like a schedule with better gaps. 
Good. Yeah. I like I like better gaps. gaps is the main goal. Uh, CMP was great. We're gonna go back. Lime Rock was great. We're gonna go back. Although the local, the local people are mad at Drift now at Lime Rock. Why? Because we made smoke and it got on their vegetables in their gardens. That is a fact. That I'm actually not kind of kidding. We did. We made a lot of a lot of tire, lot of tire smoke. Uh, too much. Too many drift cars. Um, Let's get some big industrial fans. Yeah, and obviously Midwest is happening. So those are like the three cornerstones. Uh, Laguna, don't know if it goes great. We'll do it again. If it doesn't, we might not. Um, maybe something out this way. Maybe not. Maybe here if this place exists. Maybe Hedge Hollow. I have no idea. And do you have any news you can uh, speak on about anything at like uh, Thunder Hill or similar? Not yet. No, that would be that would bookend one side or the other of the year. Um, we're just kind of. We got to get through sure. Willow. And I know a guy who works there. I know, we we love our Busby. He bought some Advan SAR threes like me, uh, and then you soldiers, right? I haven't sold them. Did Matt Busby used to work at that other track? That was just like just, just like just NCM. like just like NCM. Yeah, I, I did list my Advan three spokes just to see if anybody would buy them, and nobody has bought them yet because no one's a dork and wants to spend that much money on some <sighs> yeah. old ass wheels. I I was Aren't I told I told Mike seven? here on the way uh, on the way here I was like yeah I've been kind of like in a selling mood I want to get rid of some stuff and like. Because I have too much stuff. I don't how many know. how many transmissions are in the basement? We're down to nineteen. Um, so you got spares still. Well, that transmission is impossible to find, and I'm going to run a D series EF forever. So I'm, I don't care about the transmissions. That's fine. I'm going to have those. But like I'm looking around, thinking like these wheels are a little narrow for like track use, obviously. And then at Mid Ohio, I experienced a wide wheel on a 245 on the front of my car, and it was awesome. And I was like, man, I don't want to sell these Advance. I would sell them for fifteen fifty. I don't want to sell them, mm. but hold not for fifteen fifty. I'm so. I'm gonna message Jackie right now because <laughs> I'm trying to buy some wheels for the Tesla, and I feel like I ordered them forever ago, and they're still not here. From Jackie, I bet they're on a boat. I thought we were putting Advans on the Tesla. Yeah, dude, let's get some three I was, spokes. I was getting ready for that. Get some eighteen inch Advan three spokes on a Tesla. That'd be dope as shit, dude. That'd be best. Let's chrome Tesla. plate them. You yeah, chrome, and we'll put Lambo doors on it, and you could pop out with. Like freaking Gucci boots, dude. It's gonna be mm, sick. That sounds gator boots. Fancy. Gucci suits, gator boots. Yeah. That's be on the podium in the Model Three Challenge. Yeah, for dude, sure. it looks so good. So I bought them I at the end of June. They gotta make it. I mean, we could make. They're not that complex. Yeah, it's just there. You take the door off. You get I think some vertical hinges. doors incorporated made one product and redrilled the holes for every single one. It was the same hinge for everything. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, Robbie Veerhout bought like Mustang Lambo doors and they bolted around on his 350Z. <laughs> like it's, it's the other GLTC Lambo yeah, door, yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, the other winner. He'll be here this weekend. Uh, anyway. Did a show. I'm congested. I sound like shit, but it's been a day. We'll it's try and do one tomorrow. It's about time for me to go to bed. We'll definitely have to do one tomorrow. We've got to do one, maybe two. Gotta find we're, some... we're really... Um... I want to talk to Dewey because Dewey is the most fired up about Time Attack and his Subarus of all time. Yeah. We should probably talk to him again. More than normal. Yeah. So we, fired We recorded up. with him at... NJMP, uh, right? NJMP, and we did a really good show. Yep. I remember that. It was a three-hour show, wasn't it? Yeah, you were trying to go to bed, and for yeah, some reason... Uh, Abe actually had the keys to our hotel room and car or something like that. Weren't you guys staying on site? Uh, we yeah, were, but, yeah. But the room was locked, and Abe had the keys, what and a I, thought, <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to wait politely between Abe and Dewey until this podcast is should have just done. reached into his pocket. Well, a found cone, them who's actually in the room with us now, was the one telling me to go just interrupt the show and get the keys, yeah. and I thought, no, I don't want to interrupt that. What time, what time did this go till? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know that he turns into a pumpkin at yeah. like 8 p.m. Yeah, 9.45 and John goes, he turns into a... He, he One of the doll's bigger regrets of that weekend... Turns into a shark and needs to eat a pillow. One <laughs> of the bigger re- regrets of that weekend is that 
as a group, we did not go to Atlantic City to fuck off that evening. Yeah. However, okay. I... How would anyone want to go to Atlantic City? You know, yeah. Everyone from Timing and I did end up seeing the Barbie movie that weekend, despite everybody bailing. That's so, such it, a weird... It was a weird time. What a weird scene. It's a good you, movie. Did though. you have your sunglasses on the entire time? I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine. All right, well, let's go, uh, let's go do an event. All right, see you. Well, see you later. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits of Grid Live to say hello. Hello.